Taiwan and the U.S. have held the Long Delayed Trade and Investment Framework Agreement Talks, or TIFA. The virtual meeting lasted eight hours, and it covered a wide range of issues, including supply chain cooperation. Taiwan expressed interest in producing foreign COVID vaccines on contract, and the U.S. agreed to explore the possibility through a dedicated working group. Taiwan also expressed hope that the two sides can sign a free trade agreement. Taiwan's top negotiator, John Deng, said that the U.S. responded positively, indicating willingness to continue close discussions. The 11th Taiwan-U.S. TIFA dialogue convened on June 30th. From 7 in the morning to 3 in the afternoon, the two sides discussed a range of trade issues. Afterward, a Taiwan negotiator was asked about progress made on vaccine acquisition. Taiwan and the United States will be more proactive on the issue of medical supplies, on speeding up cargo movement and customs clearance procedures. We use the opportunity to call for a way to rapidly acquire disease prevention supplies, including vaccines. According to the negotiator, the two sides agreed to speed up customs clearance for disease prevention materials. In addition, the U.S. agreed to set up a working group to explore the possibility of Taiwan manufacturing foreign vaccines on contract. We hope that through bilateral cooperation, we can gradually provide assistance through technology sharing or contract manufacturing, expanding the supply of COVID medical supplies and vaccines. Post-pandemic recovery of the economy was a core issue during the TIFA discussions. Taiwan officials say the goal of the dialogue is to sign a bilateral trade agreement. In response to this, the U.S.'s response was, of course, that we have lots of issues we need to address, lots of things to sort out, such as the issues brought up during the meeting. If we were able to continue on, then of course that would be helpful for achieving the goal. Reopening after a hiatus of five years, the TIFA talks are a big step forward for Taiwan-U.S. relations. The American Institute in Taiwan issued a press release after the meeting. It said U.S. officials emphasized the importance of the bilateral trade and investment relationship and expressed a desire for stronger engagement. The biggest difference between today's meeting and those of the past is that the two sides were engaging in the spirit of cooperation. Because we solved a big problem that the U.S. had faulted us for in the past, that is, the issue of safety tolerances in pork. They adopted a very proactive attitude when engaging with us in today's meeting. Minister Without Portfolio Zhang Deng said the two sides agreed that the once-a-year TIFA dialogue was not enough. They agreed to set up working groups for targeted discussions on a variety of issues over the course of the year. Taiwan reported 55 local COVID infections and five deaths on Wednesday, marking the sixth day in a row with fewer than 100 cases. In addition, 16 cities and counties reported no new cases on the day. At his daily press conference, Health Minister Chen Shizhong was asked whether the Level 3 alert will be lifted on July 12. Let's hear from him.
不是说完全不可能，啊，不过目前来讲还是在疫情哈这样的一个控制为主。It's not entirely impossible, but right now we're mainly focused on getting the epidemic under control. Of course, we've also been working on the guidelines for such a policy move to give businesses some time to prepare. We will conduct inspections on food and drink establishments, on their management and response measures. If it all passes muster, we will consider the possibility of a limited reopening. Another 410,000 Moderna vaccine doses arrived in Taoyuan at 4:45 p.m. on Wednesday, part of Taiwan's direct order from the company. So far, Taiwan has received 5.26 million vaccine doses through various channels. On Wednesday, the health minister said that the goal is to receive 10 million doses by the end of August to achieve 60% vaccine coverage by the end of October. Turning now to Pingdong's outbreak of the Delta COVID variant, three more cases were added to the Delta infection cluster on Wednesday, taking the total to 12. Meanwhile, in Australia, where the variant is spreading fast, experts warn that the virus from India is infecting 100% of household contacts when it's introduced to a home. With the advent of the Delta variant, Australia, which was once a model of COVID prevention, is falling hard. This week, Sydney entered its third lockdown of the pandemic. Top experts there warn that Delta is a particularly formidable enemy, and the virus is infecting almost 100 of household contacts. That means that once the virus enters a home, all people living in it end up infected. The Delta variant is the dominant strain in Oceania, accounting for 57% of all cases. That explains why now Australia has had to instate lockdowns. In Taiwan, currently the main variant is still the Alpha variant, but we are also starting to see the Delta variant show up in Taiwan. The Delta variant was first detected in India in October 2020. It spread rapidly to become the dominant strain. Now Taiwan is also grappling with its threat. Already, 12 cases of the Delta variant have been detected in Pingdong, in a cluster that started with a grandmother and her grandson who recently traveled back from Peru. Mass testing was launched in the area, and a quasi-level four lockdown was instated to keep the virus from spreading as authorities investigated the transmission chain. Tracing contacts more thoroughly and sending people who may have been in contact with known cases for testing can help control the spread of the disease. People living in the same village should be on heightened alert. The Delta strain acquired the most transmissibility. It's almost 97% more transmissible. That's because of the changes to its spike protein, which allow it to attach. When a human body tries to battle it with antibodies, the antibodies bind differently. It's as if the virus had a Swiss Army knife. Every time it mutates, it's as if it were using a different blade to attack. The expert says the Delta virus is like a Swiss Army knife in that it uses different specialized tools to attack human cells. Health experts say effective contact tracing and swift isolation are the only way to curb the variant spread in the community. Many residents of urban areas will visit a big vaccination center in the coming weeks. In cities, there are thousands of patients vaccinated a day. But in Pingdong, where outlying islands and remote mountain regions cover large areas, vaccine rollout is a different ballgame. 
Pingdong County is taking the vaccine directly into remote areas to give older residents an easy way to get protected. Local residents arrive by bus at the vaccination center. They take carefully planned seating to learn about the procedure. Many older residents here don't speak Mandarin. Medical staff informs them about the vaccine in their own languages, including what to watch out for after the jab. Doctors check their condition, then they receive the vaccine and wait a while to make sure they're fine. And the whole job is done without a long trip down into town. We're using the health center built many years ago, as well as care stations and staff from the care system. We use their most familiar language, friendly language, to dispel their worries and give them an extra dimension of kindness and attention. Pingdong is a long, thin county, stretching 120 kilometers from top to bottom. Winding mountain roads make journeys even longer for mountain residents. The county government is offering vaccines in small local care centers so older people can get the jab near home. Vaccines are also coming to the doorstep of older citizens on the island of Liuqiu. We want to reduce the need for older folks to move about and avoid the risk of falls. This way, it's our medical professionals who do the moving around, which speeds up the whole vaccination process. Older folks don't need to travel at all. Vaccinators make the journey to them, coming into villages in the mountains to carry out the vaccine, not leaving anyone out. We're looking after everyone, wherever they are, from the furthest outlying islands to the highest remote mountain areas. No distance is too far. In big cities, vaccine centers are a big-scale affair. But in Pingdong, it's more a case of guerrilla warfare against the virus. Wherever there are citizens who need the shot, a team is on the way. Pulse oximeters are in high demand. The device tells you the oxygen level in your blood, and that can help pick up an asymptomatic case of COVID early. But lots of fake oximeters are spraying up on the market. We spoke to one man who accidentally bought fake gadgets from social media ads. He realized his misfortune when the devices found a pulse on his daughter's stuffed toy. Pulse oximeters can help you monitor your health and prevent silent hypoxia, a symptom of COVID. Mr. Jan was outraged when the oximeters he bought online found a pulse and blood oxygen reading for his daughter's cuddly sheep. I wondered if it was possessed by a ghost, he said. I bought three oximeters and tested them all on the stuffed animal, and all three gave readings. I looked in the packaging and it had a user manual and a quality certificate. It's so preposterous. We tested the same Chinese-built device for ourselves. Absolutely everything that we could clip it to, including hands, toys, even wallets, gave a reading. Then we compared it to a made-in-Taiwan oximeter bought in a pharmacy. We clipped one onto each of the sheep's ears. The Taiwan device gave no results and no blood pressure reading. The fake gadget first proclaimed blood oxygen at 98% and then started rising. What if I had given one of these to a family member, and if they kept it at home and they were about to die but the thing said their oxygen level was still normal? What you must verify is that it has a Taiwan Ministry of Health and Welfare serial code on it, or a permit issued by the Taiwanese government. If it's a medical device that has passed inspections in Taiwan, it has to have that serial number. The price of the product can also indicate its reliability. 
a proper oximeter costs at least 3,000 NT. The objects selling online for a few hundred dollars are mostly fake. If you're concerned about an oximeter in your possession, start with a test on your cuddly toys. Taiwan shares closed up 157 points on Wednesday to reach a record high of 17,755 points. The rally was led by three shipping firms, all of which closed limit up. Yangming Marine Transport ended just above 182 NT a share, up nearly 10 times since February. Meanwhile, One High Lines hit 321 NT, making it one of the top 10 companies on the market. Evergreen Marine closed at 197 NT, taking its market cap to 1.038 trillion NT. It's now Taiwan's first shipper to hit the 1 trillion milestone. 观望的态度，用欣赏的角度，让他们呃，我我想，如果你wait on the sidelines, just try to admire and appreciate it. I think that if you didn't buy low at this stage, it is quite difficult and risky to hop on shipping and transport stocks. After all, this sector is not getting a boost because core competitiveness is increasing. Its movement is based on supply and demand. What the stocks reflect now is the rise of shipping rates over the mid-term and the profit that's been generated. The analyst warns that it may be too late to hop on the shipping bandwagon. He said the sector's rises and falls are tightly bound with freight prices and that once prices go down, traders will be left holding the bag. The number one generator of Taiwan's second nuclear power plant will be decommissioned ahead of schedule Thursday evening. Tai Power says it's had to reduce the unit's power generation since February because the storage facility for its spent fuel rods is nearly full. Once the generator is brought offline, there will be a shortfall of 985,000 kilowatts in the nation's installed capacity. Thai Power says it will maintain a stable power supply throughout the summer with support from a private electricity company and a new capacity from solar power. This breakfast shop has been in business for nearly 30 years and it continues to stay open despite the pandemic. Although revenue has dropped by half, its business hours still exceed 15 hours a day. Its fridge and freezer run 24-7, and its electric fans and lights are kept on all day. The staff dormitory upstairs is air-conditioned, and altogether, the power bill comes out to at least 15,000 NT a month. Haven't we had all those power outages this year? Every time the power goes out, the food in the fridge goes bad. So of course I am worried. We wouldn't be able to operate. Responding to news of the early decommissioning, this breakfast shop owner is worried that outages will result and ruin her bottom line. But the decommissioning seems an inevitable fate. Because the generator's spent fuel storage is nearly full, Thai Power has stopped inserting new fuel rods, reducing generation to less than 80 percent of installed capacity. The Atomic Energy Council has announced the unit will be shut down on the evening of July 1st. Once that happens, the national grid will lose 985,000 kilowatts. To make up the shortfall, Thai Power has contracted Jiahui Power Corporation to supply 510,000 kilowatts from a gas-fired unit. Thai Power also plans to make use of its solar power capacity and other forms of green energy. In addition, four Thai Power units currently under repair will be back online by the end of July, steadying the power supply over the summer. 
Since this February, the power supplied by the second plant's number one generator has declined by about 800,000 kilowatts. Jiahui Power Corporation's IPP2 unit has been tested and brought online. This unit has an output of 510,000 kilowatts. In addition, we are continuously building solar power capacity, which will be able to provide another 510,000 kilowatts. Since 2016, solar power has failed to hit targets every single year. Renewables have fallen far behind the original plan, so there is still the chance of a blackout. Energy specialist Liang Qiyuan warned of trouble, saying Thai Power has raised its July-August peak use forecast to a whopping 39 million kilowatts. He said that renewables don't supply a stable source of power. With the early decommissioning of a stable energy source, one mishap on the grid could send the nation into a power crisis, he said. Taipei's Longshan Temple Underground Mall got the green light to reopen on Tuesday after being dormant for a month and a half due to level 3 restrictions. But it wasn't exactly a grand reopening, with only 10 vendors choosing to resume business. Although customers were few and far between, some shops did better than others on the first day back. The iron grills go up, and they're ready for customers here at the Longshan Temple Underground Mall. After a month and a half, the shops have gotten the green light to reopen. We've been waiting such a long time, since May 15th. Of course, we want the reopening to happen as soon as possible, but seeing how the situation is, I don't think people will dare to come down here. I hope that this is a good beginning. Even if nobody's here, there's nothing to be done about that. It's not like you can drag customers from their home into your shop. This stylist at a quick-cut salon worried she would have no customers. To her surprise, clients were filling up seats in no time. Count them up, there are seven in the shop waiting for a new hairdo. Any more than five is against the rules and will get you a chiding from the local business council. They hurry to move the bench outside to diffuse the danger of overcrowding. But not all shops are lucky enough to be in this predicament. This fortune teller hasn't had a customer all day. It's not likely in the future because people are afraid. They are afraid of going outside. Of course, the motivation to come here is very low. I don't really support the reopening of business because there are quite a few older people in this area. The stores that are reopening are ones that cater to them. My personal view is that older adults are less careful when it comes to disease prevention measures. This nearby resident is anxious about the reopening, fearing a resurgence of the virus. But authorities say there's stringent supervision by the local business council and the Taipei Market Administration, which makes sure disinfectant is supplied and entry screening is done to a T. There's a crowd control system in place that limits capacity to 600 people, down from 2,400. Originally, this mall had three points of entry. As a preventative measure, we closed one, leaving two points of entry to maintain better control for prevention purposes. Of course, some people are still staying closed voluntarily. We respect that. The business council leader said there was a long way to go before the mall makes a full recovery. He said he looked forward to the reopening of Long Shan Temple across the street so that foot traffic returns and breathes new life into one district. 
The rain horse was a big hit at the National Theater this March before level three restrictions kicked in. Now families are confined at home and it's back. Paper Windmill Theater is releasing the children's production online so families can connect with inspirational art from home. Another classic show from Paper Windmill, Schoenfunger's Incense Burner, will also be available to stream for a limited period. Standing 10 meters tall, the rain horse breathes plumes of mist from its nostrils. With the help of audience members and its little equestrian friends, it directs the weather. This new production was a hit at the National Theatre in March. Now it's back in all its glory to cheer up young and old online. Starting this weekend, our rain horse will lift up the whole of Taiwan. All the moms, dads, grannies and grandpas who are having such a hard time with COVID. In the pandemic, it seems rather like a prophecy and for us at this stage, it's also a very important lesson. Going out to the theater is usually part of the fun, but this time, Paper Windmill will come to you. Their Paper Windmill at Your Side online program has another show playing for a limited time too. Their 2015 main show, Shun Fengru's Incense Burner. You know, watching the show gives you, let's say, protection. In the play, of course, there's a goddess Matsu who comes to remind all the children to believe in themselves. Uh Both these plays are really comforting in the end. I think it's really significant to release them right now during the pandemic. Shunfunger's incense burner tells the story of a door god who guards a Matsu goddess temple. To win his own incense burner, he descends into the realm of the immortals. Paper windmills show are full of heart, inspire the audience, and are a great way to come together as a family.